Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Heart to Health Talk, where we discuss health issues concerning youth in Singapore. I'm Tizin, and I'll be your host for a second series on adulting. Adulting is something that, as a child, we look forward to. And now, it's mentioned with a sense of dread, as we face new problems and landscapes to navigate. But you won't have to do it alone or without any help. In this series, we talk about the problems that we face stepping into this phase of life with peers who have been or are going through this. And along the way, we also have experts who will share with us some advice to guide us through this storm. First up in adulting, job searching. Job searching sucks. That's right, I said it. The time-consuming process of looking for openings, tweaking your resumes, preparing for interviews, and not to mention, those cover letters. Job searching alone was already tough, but COVID-19 had to strike, making it more stressful and more competitive to find employment. My heart really goes out to everyone experiencing this. And even when you get the job that you want, you face a whole new set of problems. How do you make the transition between a structured school environment to a dynamic workforce? All of a sudden, you're facing new responsibilities and you have to learn fast, which can be pretty intimidating. The time and energy that you have also becomes more limited, and increasingly, it becomes more important to manage your time well, which means having to reconsider going to that spontaneous supper when you have to work the next day. All this can be pretty overwhelming and taxing on mental health. Today, we have with us two guests who not long ago went through this journey and emerged with experiences, stories, and maybe some advice to share with us. Let's welcome Nina De Costa and Malin Bangum. Nina graduated from Yale and US College, YNC, in 2020, where she majored in psychology, led YNC's peer counseling student organization, and served on the college's presidential staff team as a residential college advisor. Now, she works at an advisory firm, makes clay and resin jewelry in her downtime. You can check it out at Clay by Claire on Instagram. Moreover, she volunteers at Women Unbounded, a Singapore-based non-profit organization. We also have with us today, Malin, who has worked with community-led non-profits around the world to strengthen their capacity in program operations, fundraising, and direct service. Her pathway in the development sector has taken her to Nepal, Thailand, and most recently, Washington, D.C. In fact, right now, she's calling in from U.S. She graduated from YNC with a degree in history and anthropology, where she cultivated her love of community building, education through cultural heritage, and storytelling for social good. Hi, Nina and Malin. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Susin. Thanks for inviting us. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting us. Hi. I understand that recently you all made the transition from being an undergraduate to starting a job. What was the main struggle that you had when you were a fresh graduate trying to apply for jobs? Yeah, that's a great question. Coming from my background in history and anthropology, in my summer times during university, I was spending more time getting experience in nonprofits and NGOs. And I didn't have a super clear dream job. Like, this is the thing that I'm going to go after. I was pretty open to various things, which in a way is a good thing, having that openness, but also makes it a little bit more complicated in trying to narrow down what are the positions that truly interest me, that I'm going to take the time to prepare applications for. So I think a lot of it was really sitting down 
down and figuring out what are my priorities in terms of what I want to work in and then finding positions that really fit. But at the end of the day, I didn't actually apply to tons of jobs. I know there's a lot of people, maybe they apply to like hundreds and then you land the one that is just really amazing. For me, I actually only applied to two positions. One that was like, oh, this might work out. And then the one that I ended up going through all the way and accepting from the very beginning, everything in the job description, it just felt so fitting. And I kind of knew from the start that this is the thing that I think I want to do next, which really helped in terms of preparing the application and going through all the interviews, especially because it was a job based in the US and I was in Singapore at the time so the time difference of having interviews at 1am was a little bit challenging but yeah I kind of knew from the get-go that this was the thing that I wanted and it worked out so I'm very thankful. This is very inspiring. It must have been difficult to make that leap from studying in Singapore to working in the US. Yeah, for sure. My dad's family is from the US and my mom's is from Singapore. So I did spend half of my childhood in the US, but I ended up moving to Washington DC for the job and I have not spent any time there besides a few days as a visitor. So it really was like a whole new city. I didn't have previous connections. The only reason why I went was because of the job, but it ended up being a very lovely place. I'm glad it worked out for you. You know, did you experience something similar when transitioning from school to work? In some ways, yes. I graduated in 2020 and Malene graduated in 2019. So I think we did have slightly different experiences, but I really resonate with what Malene said about how she didn't really have a dream job, but she kind of wanted to explore all her options. I was kind of like that as well. After I graduated, I actually did want to look at jobs in the US for residential life stuff positions. So kind of like what I was doing in my last year of university, but obviously with COVID, that wasn't an option. So I knew I had to then look for jobs in Singapore and While throughout my university days, I was always really heavily interested in psychology. And I barely actually took electives outside of my major. But then when I graduated, I was just having second thoughts about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to expose something that was not psychology. Obviously, this entire time, I was kind of building up my experiences to propel me into a job in psychology or psychology-related fields. But then when I graduated, I realized that I'm actually quite interested in social media and business. And those interests kind of stem from Play by Claire, which is my clay business. (laughs) So I then was like, oh, let me look at jobs in PR or in communication. I eventually met my current boss. He advised higher education institutions so his clients are universities and I help him with everything that he does interestingly enough I did land in the same kind of space that I wanted to be in in a very different department it's still quite interesting and I'm learning a lot I get a mix of still being in the higher education space but also learning more about the commercial aspect of things I think that's quite interesting. One thing that I'm wondering is that you started off in this degree in psychology and when you apply to social media jobs or PR or comms jobs, did you ever feel this feeling that, oh man, will my degree ever be enough? Do I have the skill sets to even apply for this job? No, I definitely don't feel that way at all. Because yeah, I didn't have any previous work experience in this type of field or industry before. The only experience I had was from my own personal endeavours. Obviously, you still feel like that's not enough and that's not something that someone else has put a stamp of approval on in the form of a recommendation letter from a reputed company. Yeah, I definitely felt a bit of imposter syndrome applying to these jobs, but I was like, you know what, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? I do encourage listeners to just go and apply. Honestly, the worst that can happen is that you lose time and they say no. I think that's very inspiring because I think one thing that happens in the Singapore education is that a lot of us do a lot of work that is based on academics. 
and afterwards when you go into the working world it's like how can you apply these soft skills and this knowledge that you have into creating something after you applied the job then there's this experience of starting a new job and now from being at the pinnacle of your education now you're at the bottom rung of the working world was there any troubles or problems that you faced starting the job Yeah, actually, just to clarify, the position that I took up after university was a fellowship. So it was supposed to be a contract position. In my not knowing of what exactly I wanted to do, something that I was increasingly drawn to as I explored job postings was this kind of more fellowship contract setup where I could know that I would definitely have enough time to really grow in getting experience in a place, in increasing my skill set and all of that. Also having kind of an end date where I could go off <laughs> and know that I could do the next thing if that wasn't like thing for me. So after my fellowship ended, which was just a few months ago, I'm now currently on a self-induced sabbatical. working on many many other things besides a regular job back to the question about initially starting the very first job that you take up after university i think definitely even before you show up on the first day there's so many nerves you're like oh my goodness i feel like i really have to present myself and put off a good impression and i remember i was so dressed up i walk into the office and everyone is so casual and they had told us before that this is a really casual environment don't overdo it every single one of us new hires it was very obvious that we were new but I think initially at the beginning, obviously the learning curve was very steep. I mean, similar to Nina also, I entered into something that wasn't directly from my major or minor in college. But I think one thing that any student can know is that as a student, you are trained to learn new things. I kind of thought as a job, this is just my next course in a way. I have work to do, I have projects to accomplish, and I have new things I have to learn to get these things done. Definitely, it will take time. And I would say that I didn't really feel super settled and confident in all of my job scope for about three months, which is what they told us at the beginning when we came in. And I think one thing that really helped is that, first of all, it was a very supportive working environment. And my co-workers from the get-go really emphasized, just ask questions. If you're not sure about something, just ask. Because the sooner you ask questions and the more that you clarify, the quicker you will master the things that you need to do and the quicker you'll be able to learn them and then not have to ask so many like, basic questions much later on. I think definitely coming with that mindset of, yes, I can learn new things. I know that I'm capable of doing that. And I'm excited to apply that in this new setting. And then, yeah, also not being afraid of asking questions. Even if you feel a bit like, oh, am I bothering people? But really, most of the times, they want to help you because you are also making your coworkers' lives easier in the long term by clarifying quickly. I fully empathize with that because even now as an undergraduate going for internships, I think it's very difficult to overcome this barrier that not knowing something or like having to learn new things is not a bad thing. That you have to change this mindset of, oh, it's acquiring new skills and it's okay to ask your supervisors things. In fact, it's better to ask them things. Exactly, yeah. What about Nina? I would say yes, definitely. I think there's always this idea that you have of what working is going to be like, but when you actually step into it, it's so different and surprising. So just for context, I'm in a very, very small advisory firm. So there are only two other employees besides me. And then, of course, my boss. The thing is, the only person I can ask questions to is him. And he's a very, very busy man. When I say he does a lot of different things, he does a lot of different things. 
and he did tell me about this in our interview process. He did warn me that I would be doing a lot of independent work and I'd have to be very self-motivated. So when I first joined, I was doing a lot of independent work and a lot of times I felt like I was kind of doing university assignments on my own in my room in our office space. So I was like, wait, am I working or am I just doing homework for my boss? You know, that's what I felt like sometimes. Like Helene said, it is very important to ask questions to get that feedback as well. It's really helpful. So I think my biggest challenge is that because the structure is just literally me and this C suite level guy, my boss, it's very hard to get a hold of him because he is very, very busy. So I think sometimes some of the questions I have to really reflect on and answer myself. Or maybe ask my colleague, who also might not always know because we're always working on different projects. And then also beyond that, I'm learning about a whole new industry. Every assignment that I get, I have so many questions and I have to learn everything from scratch to even catch up to the level of understanding that he would want me at. That for me is definitely a steep learning curve, but at the same time, like everything that I'm researching on and stuff is very interesting to me. So it's very enjoyable. Given the nature that your company is a small company, it was more of overcoming the barrier that this is a self-directed learning and you won't necessarily have assurance from anybody to say that, yes, what you're doing is okay. Yep. I think it's also a kind of experience that people have to go through because when you get hired, a lot of people feel that I don't really know anything. How do I know that I'm doing something right? But I think the fact that you got hired, your employer definitely saw something in you that felt that it was valuable and you should trust the skill sets that you have. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder because I feel like in the day-to-day it can be forgotten quite easily. And also I think another challenge is sometimes you don't know what you don't know. How do you find out what you don't know? I'm also quite interested, since you graduated in the year of 2020, that was when COVID was at its peak. Did that affect your job transition experience greatly? I started my job in October 2020. At that point, the situation in Singapore is pretty under control. Honestly, our lives haven't changed to such a great degree as compared to other countries. Like we have to obviously wear masks and things like that and abide by certain social distancing rules. But apart from that, not much has changed. In terms of that aspect, I don't think the job transition could have been better or worse because of COVID. I'm glad that you didn't face that much trouble with COVID-19. Bringing the question back to the both of you, I wanted to ask if you noticed any changes in your physical or mental well-being in this period of transition. I would say there were actually a lot of positive physical changes that came with having a very structured routine because of work. I became the most disciplined about my sleep schedule that I've ever been in my life. It was actually amazing. I had no choice because I had to commute for like an hour and a half in the morning and then coming back. So I didn't have tons of extra time. And if I stayed up late, I just would not be able to really function well at all the next day at work. Sleep changes everything. People, please go sleep. Sleep more, sleep enough. That was a great improvement that I saw also in the commute that I had to do because I lived about an hour and a half away from my workplace which is quite downtown. I would have to walk 30 minutes twice a day just to get to work so having that bare minimum exercise built in was really nice especially when some days I would come home and I would want to go and properly exercise but I'd just be so tired that I wouldn't be able to do the actual thing but at least I had walked one hour that day just because I had to. Physically, I think there were a lot of great improvements. Mentally, I don't think I was super affected or changed in that transition. I have moved to different places and lived in new places by myself before, so that was an entirely new thing to me. I think something that I did feel though, and this is before I even made the move to DC, is the question on my mind was, what's community going to look like for me when I had just spent so many of my formative years, especially my young adult years in Singapore, especially in like a university setting, 
Nina and I were sweet mates for three years. We had this really tight group of friends that we lived together with, all the student organizations that you're in. But when I moved to DC, I literally just plopped myself into an unfamiliar place. I think at that time, I only knew one other alumni from our college in the whole city. I don't think there was anyone else there yet. Mentally, one thing that was tough, especially more at the beginning, was wow, I really miss my friends. I miss having them so available. Also not just having community generically, but having like a community of peers, people your age in the same life stage. That was a little bit jarring. I moved out and then now I'm with a bunch of adult adults. I think this idea of having a much smaller social support, not having as readily available a social support, is something that a lot of people face. From spending time almost 24-7 with peers of around the same age, and now you're spending time in a community where your workplace is full of people who are older than you because after you're a new hire, that must have been anxiety-inducing. So how did you overcome it? It wasn't a horrible experience because I entered the job as a part of a fellowship cohort. It was great. I actually had 10 other young adults coming into the same company with me. So that was a kind of an automatic, of course, we're going to be friends kind of thing. But you still want to have friends and connections outside of work as well. I definitely wanted to prioritize maintaining ties with people who were close to me before. Even if our relationship and our communication looks drastically different, still making sure to make time, even if it has to be kind of scheduled in, okay, We'll Skype you at this time, figure out the time zones and all of that. That was really important to me. In terms of finding new communities as well, outside of work, I think acquaintances actually became really precious treasures to me. There were people who would pass through the city who I kind of knew I wasn't super friends with or anything, but somehow we would find out that we were both in the same city. Maybe everyone's searching for that community. Any kind of small tie, you're like, of course, let's meet up for a meal. And some of those acquaintances are now some of my closest friends. We ended up really connecting. I also talked to strangers I met on the train, things like that. Became part of a new church community, which is also a massive like help in my life. Taking what you can get, being open, even as someone who is quite introverted, I had to be intentional. So this process of prioritizing your time and being more intentional when you're meeting up with people, it seems to have deepened your connections with the existing people that you know. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to imagine, especially with people that you've lived with for a long time, that once that ends, it feels like, wow, something's going to drastically change. But I think I found the exact opposite to be true. For example, even calls with Nina. She used to live directly across from me. I could say hi to her from my bed. Whenever like we would have these catch-up calls with family and friends, it was like we just picked up where we left off. In a way, it also enriched a lot of those old ties because now it's like, oh my goodness, we have so much to catch up each other on and talk about. Yeah, not all bad. I think a lot of good things, even if I couldn't see them right away. So it's this idea of reframing how you view things. Instead of having too little time with your friends now, it's about now this time is much more precious and you get to spend it much more meaningful. What about you, Nina? Do you have a similar experience with Malin? What were some physical or mental changes in your lifestyle that you experienced? Obviously, graduating during a pandemic is quite stressful because you really don't know if you're going to get a job in the first place just because you hear so many people are being retrenched. So obviously, that was definitely playing on my mind. And then coupled with the fact that I wanted to completely switch career paths, I was like, oh, like, is this really the best time to do that? I also delayed the whole job application process because I guess sometimes I'm someone who lives in denial about things for a long time. I was, the whole thing about me graduating didn't feel like a reality for a long time. So while a lot of my friends 
friends and peers were applying to jobs back in December 2019. And I also knew of people who had jobs already lined up in December 2019. I hadn't even started looking for a job at that point. And to be honest, I only started actually looking for jobs, I think, April or May 2020-ish. I definitely started looking a lot late and I think partly it had to do with the fact that I was just living in denial and also the fact that I was quite sad that I wouldn't be able to pursue what I actually wanted to pursue. Plus we had to be at home during that time because of the circuit breaker anyway. But it was nice to just be at home and just focus on whatever I wanted to do. And I think it was also during that time that I really started being intentional about my clay earrings because before that it was just a hobby. But I think it was during those months I decided, hey, you know what, let's just be super intentional about growing your social media following and really innovating with new designs. That for me opened a lot of doors. In an indirect way, that's kind of how I landed up getting my job. The more you put yourself out there and do different things, it's really going to lead you to where you're meant to be eventually. And also I'm someone who really goes with my gut feeling. There was actually a job in Singapore that I'd applied to that would have been absolutely perfect for my for my skill, given the fact that I graduated with a psychology degree. That was textbook perfect. But in my gut, I just knew that it wasn't going to be for me and I wouldn't be completely happy doing it. And also, I remember this one conversation that I had, and this was during a time when I was really stressed out about, I remember I met two different friends, both of them, I think it was within a week, I was telling them how I'm quite stressed out and worried about not finding a job. They both told me in the exact same way that what's meant to happen will happen for you. They basically said the exact same thing obviously with no knowledge that the other had said it I understand you went through the spirit of denial and understanding that oh, I'm no longer a student. I think many people actually do experience that. It's such a different experience from being told, okay, this is what you're going to learn, this is what you should know, and now it's a process of chartering your own pathway, which in a way I think can be quite exciting. For you, you managed to find a new interest, a new job, and from there you challenge yourself and learn new skill sets, which makes you a much more well-rounded person. Yeah, it's true. I think I'm someone who resists change. So I was trying to unconsciously prolong my status as a student. But I think once I accepted the fact that, yes, I am now not going to be a student anymore, my mindset obviously shifted. And I think also because of COVID, we had to move out of campus within a weekend. So I didn't have that closure and time to say goodbye to all the places around campus and all my friends properly. So given this, if you could give a piece of advice to your pre-graduation self, would you tell her to stop being in denial? Or do you think that process of trying to understand this period of change was fundamental for your growth now? Yeah, I don't think I would change anything. Yeah, I wouldn't tell my pre-graduation self anything. I think if anything, I'd just be like, yeah, what's meant to happen will happen. What about Merlene? Same as Nina, as much as we humans want to know when we don't know, it's actually a lot better to go through the process of trusting and looking at the question marks and being like, it's a little bit scary, but also like you said earlier, there's also some excitement to it. And as you figure it out, things fall into place. And if I knew exactly where I was going to be and what I was going to do, I think that would have actually had a negative effect. I would have probably not really explored. So what are the things I'm really interested in? Why do I feel particularly drawn to this thing? I wouldn't have asked myself those questions if I already knew the answer. Same as me, I wouldn't want to tell myself anything. I would let her figure it out. I think a lot of people who are currently going through this experience, they might have the same experience as you where they're not sure what's going to happen and they really want to know some answers. So perhaps the advice that could be given to them is more of, it's okay, don't worry, you will get through this. Just continue finding out more about yourself during this period. Yeah, I think another thing to add to that is that I know everyone says this, but really try not to compare yourself to other people and other people's timelines. 
it's so easy to start comparing oh my goodness this person already did this wow they got such an advanced position and i feel like i can't apply to a similar thing this doesn't really like, help you do anything it doesn't move you towards growth or what you actually want to accomplish in any way I mean, you can look outwards into love, wanting to learn from different people's experiences and grow. But when you start comparing too much, I think that's a very dangerous case. First of all, you don't have the full picture of what's actually happening in their lives, even if it looks really glowing. And then it also kind of hinders you from seeing like the good things that are really going for you. You're poised to be where you need to go next. I think that's very comforting for people who are right now very unsure. I think another worry that people have is also that there's this idea that our first job is the most important job that we're going to have. It's very important to get it right the first time. What do you say to people who think this? I think now, especially the career landscape is changing so much. Also, humans are living longer. So there's more opportunities for people to also change career paths later on in life. It's not like 30 years ago when you got your first job and that was going to be your job for the next 30 years. So I think getting it right the first time is not as important. And I also think there's so much room and opportunity to grow and also keep switching careers, switching industries as well. But also having said that, I also do think that it is important to also consider certain factors. And this is just being practical. It is important to ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you taking up this first job that you get? Is it just because you're trying to prove yourself to people? Are you doing it because you really want to do it? And this is going to be the stepping stone to your goal in life, whatever that might be. Being really intentional about what you're doing is important. I think everyone's circumstances are going to be different. So what is going to be most suited to your needs, your circumstances, what you want to achieve in 10 years and not forgetting that bigger goal. I think a lot of people place this pressure on themselves that since this is my first job, I have to do it well. Having this idea of I understand that I'm taking this job is not necessarily the end goal that I'll be doing. It's a mindset that we can have. And understanding that every process that we are going through right now is a process for us to learn something out of it, right? For sure. I think anything is a learning opportunity if you just look for that. I know some of my friends who have jobs and that's literally taking up their entire life. They're literally sleeping at 2 or 3 a.m. every night. That to me is very crazy. So I think like when you also look at your job, do you want to have a job that has decent hours so that on the side you can do what you want to do? You can maybe enroll in a course, you can upskill in some other way, you have time to hang out with your friends, live your life like a 20-year-old should. Speaking of being able to manage your work and other aspects of your life, I want to ask Malin, since you volunteer at a lot of NGOs and you help non-profit organisations, I was wondering, how do you balance this aspect of your life? How do you set goals and make sure that the things that you prioritise in life are still being done? So I don't have a current one right now that's physically written out, but I used to have a physically written out list of priorities. I basically wrote down things that are important to me and I cut them up into little pieces of paper <laughs> and then I arranged them and then I looked at how I was actually spending my real time and compared it to that. Seeing where the things aligned and where they didn't align and where I might want to shift how I spend some of my time. That was a really helpful thing that I started doing when I was in university. I think learning to prioritize before going into a working life would be super helpful for that. In some ways, it was almost easier once I started working because I had such a set schedule that I had much less wiggle room to have to prioritize. But I think simplifying my priorities and also reevaluating them. In terms of getting stuff done in these nonprofits, in many ways, I don't think it's that much different from any other company. It is still a business at the end of the day. 
I think one thing that I came to realize throughout my fellowship was that I really love having, you know, structure in my work, but also a level of flexibility. And I know I'm asking for a lot, but I did have that. I kind of have these set things that I know I have to do, that I will do. And then I have this other stuff that's a little bit more fluid and definitely learning really basic stuff, like being able to project manage your own time. So it's a constant process of check and balance, understanding that you have these values and these are some things that you want to prioritize. And as you pursue them, you also look at how am I doing it? Is it something that is achievable? Is it something that I'm satisfied with? Definitely. Especially feeling like I'm in more junior position compared to all these other people. One thing that I really had to learn how to do well was to say no. I think a lot of times, especially as a new hire, you might feel like if someone asks you to work on something or invites you into a project, you must say yes. So I was in this fellowship for 16 months. And I would say for the most part at the beginning, I was saying yes to everything because I wanted to explore and I wanted to get experience working with different teams and different departments. But as I neared the tail end, I think people were like, oh no, the fellows are leaving and all the things in their brains are also leaving. So let's ask them to do all these projects and all these different things. And it came to a point where I had committed to, you know, several large projects I was going to finish before I left and I was still getting like a lot of requests to the point where I was like I can't say yes I actually can't say yes to this thing and it feels a little bit intimidating because you're like am I even allowed to say no and it depends on your working environment and your you know office culture definitely but in my situation it was very empowering and rewarding to finally learn how to say no in a way that honors the person who is asking you to do the thing and maybe even compromising instead of flat out no be like hey I really don't have space on my plate but I can do this thing for you or I can point to this person who I think would be a better fit right now actually I just want to add to what Malene said it just reminded me of what my colleague told me once I was freaking out about finishing something quickly she was like Nina just chill the world's not going to end tomorrow if you don't do it today and I was like that's so true it's not like I'm working in a place that's a super high stakes just to add to Claire by Claire stuff, I get really bored just doing one thing. So for me, having Claire by Claire is my break from work. And also, I've never considered it to be work. For me, it's just fun. Do you feel that everyone should have this idea of, okay, yes, this is work. But knowing that although work is an important part of your life, it's not everything in your life. And you don't have to place so much emphasis on it such that it impacts you negatively. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think I came to this realization in university when it really took a toll on my mental health. I think for me, I always knew that I wanted to have some kind of balance. I think being able to have something to fall back on, and it doesn't have to be a hobby, it could just be your faith, like a movie, a book that you fall back on. I'm also quite a big advocate of resting and finding that balance for yourself. Everyone is going to define work and rest a little bit differently, but ultimately you have to figure out that equilibrium and what works for you. As someone who is now in an intentional period of rest, because it was nearing the end of my fellowship. Initially, I just went into it thinking, of course, I have to automatically go apply for like, new things. And I realized, that, you know, it'd be so nice if I could take a break for once in my life. Between every major life transition from high school to college and then work, there was really two weeks max between those things. And I was like, you know, it'd be so nice if I took a break. This thought just came to mind. And I was like, wow, wait, I actually can take a break. No one's stopping me. I have the ability and resources to do that right now. And it's actually really good timing with COVID happening. It's not like I'm going to be like doing all kinds of things anyway. 
you just get this idea from our society that you need to be productive and doing things all the time. And if you're not using your time productively working, defining productivity as working in the first place, I think is problematic. I don't know how people are going to like respond when I say, hey, I'm actually going to rest for a bit. Thankfully, a lot of people are really supportive. Rest looks like so many things as well. Actually, I feel more busy now than I did in my nine to five job. I really feel like this time is really great for me to recharge and rest and reevaluate a lot of things, all the question marks in my life. Maybe this could be applicable to people who haven't found a job yet. They feel like they're in this limbo stage. of, But that time is only wasted if you mentally check yourself out and you tell yourself that it's a waste to not be doing the school or work thing. There's so many other things that you could be doing. There's a lot of things that right now I'm revisiting now that I have my daytime energy and brain to work on things that previously I could only dedicate to my regular job. It has been amazing. Highly recommend taking a sabbatical even if it feels really weird because you're like, wait, I'm at the start of my career. I'm so glad you're doing this for yourself. Alright, we've come to the end of our conversation. Thanks so much for sharing with us experiences in adulting. I think a lot of people are also going through this process and it's very heartening to know that there are people who went through it also. And they came out more or less pretty alright. So before we conclude, it's time for some rapid fire questions. At the end of every episode, we'll be asking three questions related to health for our guests to share some last bits of wisdom on health. Are you ready? Alright, perhaps Nia can answer first. In one line, what does health mean to you? Health to me means freedom. Freedom to move in the way that your body allows you to and not feel restricted by pain. Freedom to enjoy the foods that you're eating, things like that. I would say health is wholeness, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, all of that. Really feeling whole and not lacking in what makes you the best you. Next question. What is one bad health habit that you like to get rid of? Sometimes I'm kind of unbalanced in the sense that my meals are not super regular. I think that for me is what I want to get rid of. I know I mentioned earlier that, wow, once I started working, my bedtimes were so steady and stuff. I will say that changed once I started working from home because suddenly I have no more three hours of commute time. Suddenly I am very close to my bed. And so I've kind of fallen back into having irregular bedtimes and that's something that I'm working on. I want to be more disciplined about because it really changes my every next day when I have a great sleep regularly. All right, I wish you both the best in this. And the last question is, what is one health habit that you swear by? This is actually one thing that I started doing once I started working from home. So when I was in the office, I always had this gigantic mug of warm water next to me that I would constantly be chugging throughout the day. So I was staying really hydrated at work. In that sense, I was not mindlessly snacking. But once I came home, I switched using the water bottles and I realized after a few months that I was not really staying hydrated. And so I started this new thing and it has actually worked where every time I begin a new activity, I drink water first. So I'm switching from reading a book to opening my laptop. I'm going to drink water. And that's really helped me be properly hydrated. For me, it would be sleep. That's something I really prioritize. I might not prioritize other things in my life, even though I know in my heart that I should. Every day I'm like, oh, Nina, this week you're going to change. But then I don't really. But sleep is something I've never really compromised on. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing your vast experiences in today's conversation. And it was really interesting because we don't normally have two friends together online in this conversation together. I'm certain that our listeners also learned a lot or at least empathized a lot of what you said. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah, thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Bye-bye. Bye. Adulting can be really stressful with all these changes that are happening. But changes are not always bad and there are positive aspects to it. After all, 
what's meant to be will be, and you'll turn out alright. One thing we could also do is to manage our time and to be more intentional with how we spend our time. And along the way, if we do burn out and we want to press pause, that's okay. Above all, it's really normal to experience this slump or be uncertain. You just have to talk to people to hear more about experiences and learn more about yourself. If you want to find out more about how to adult or hear about similar experiences, follow us at our social media platforms at Heart to Health Talk. That's at Heart to Health Talk, where additional resources and nuggets of wisdom can be found. Hope to catch you in our next episode. Bye.